Hello, happy new year. I think I can still say that. I mean, wow, what a year 2021 was. I hope you're allowing yourself to gently land into 2022. I know I am. It's taken me quite a while to come back after such an eventful year. But here we are with the second episode of Practically Spiritual, the podcast that aims to explore the space where spirituality meets science and nature, and how we can use spiritual tools in a practical way to enhance our lives. In this episode, I am speaking to Leah Hughes, human design reader, Ayurvedic therapist, breathwork facilitator, and energy healer. Now, Leah has been on an incredible journey, facing living and healing stage four breast cancer. In this episode, we discussed how she has faced this and the tools that she uses, as well as looking into the fascinating practice of human design. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And if you did, please don't forget to like, share with your friends and subscribe. came to this work about, um, well, full-time, probably about a year and a half ago. But before that, I'd kind of shifted from my past career into what I'm doing now about three and a half years ago, four years, nearly four years ago. Um, so before that, I was working in a much more corporate job um, and, yeah, shifted into this because of a, a big kind of, big curveball that came into my life but before that I had um yeah I my history is like I grew up in Liverpool or just outside Liverpool not in Liverpool just for any any Liverpool people who are listening are going to be like that's not Liverpool and so I grew <laughs> up just on the outside of Liverpool um yeah and I'd always been I'd always like growing up I'd always been like really into kind of like spirituality and holistic practices and then I went on to study fashion um, and that's kind of where my life took a slightly different turn. So I studied fashion for a long time, worked in fashion, um, yeah, up until a few years ago. So I kind of disconnected from that kind of more spiritual part of myself for quite a long time. And then, yeah, a few years ago, I was kind of thrown back into that world. Um, yeah. So that's a bit of a kind of whistle stop tour of my history. So was your corporate job in fashion? Yeah. Was that a corporate job? What were you doing? So I, um, I've had many different iterations of my job. I kind of, I started, so I'd studied fashion design. I went into visual merchandising and styling and then like transferred into um, like head office for different retail fashion brands, like various different brands I've worked with over the years. And I've worked in agencies as well, basically within the, creative department so as a creative manager um so working on kind of like branding and visual identity of brands um yeah for fashion retail sounds like it was probably quite hectic really yeah, <laughs> yeah very yeah. hectic and it was something that I never I never really intended to do it it was one of those things mm. that just kind of happened so because I yeah. studied fashion design I'd moved to London so I studied in Manchester from Liverpool came to London because obviously that is where you come when you study fashion and I got here and was like oh, okay this is going to be harder than I thought so I need to get a job so I'd done visual merchandising whilst I was at university anyway so I got a job um I got a job doing that and before I knew it I was just getting promoted into different roles and I was like okay this this is good and that is basically where I kind of landed myself on this hamster wheel of just mm. um just chasing chasing bigger careers and bigger paychecks and I think I just kind of got caught up in that cycle and before I knew it 10 years later I was in this job with enormous responsibility and a big fat paycheck but I was desperately unhappy with where I was um yeah it was a it was a real kind of towards the end of my 20s I started to started to really feel very lost I was very bent out I really didn't understand kind of who I was and what I was doing with my life. Mm. Um, so that kind of was where my, 
my quest into that kind of self-exploration really started, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah. And you mentioned a curveball. Mm. What, what is the curveball? Yeah, so three and a half years, just over three and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, mm. um, which had kind of, I guess, came out of the blue in one way, but I, I'd actually been misdiagnosed two and a half years before that. So I already knew there was something wrong. Um, and I'd been told that I was too young to have breast cancer. It was nothing to worry about. I should just carry on with my life and just not worry about it. So I tried to do that, but I always, I think just, I instinctively knew that it wasn't, something wasn't right. Mm. Um, so I began like trying to look after myself in the best way possible. And that was where I kind of started to think, well, something, even if it's not what I think it is, because the doctors were telling me it wasn't, it couldn't have been cancer. Um, I was like, something's obviously not right. Um, so I started, started, you know, looking into my health and just really kind of practicing. Um, you know, I'd always had like a yoga practice and I'd always been, I'd always erred on the much more holistic side of life anyway. Um, so I'd started to really ramp up those practices, I guess, over that time. And then, yeah, three and a half years ago, it was almost like the beginning of 2018 was when I was like, I'm really, I really want to focus on myself this year. And I really want this year to be the year that I get myself sorted. I was coming to the end of um, the contract that I was working on with an agency at the time. Um, and I was like, this is the year that I'm going to sort myself out. I'm going to decide who I am and how I want to move forward. And part of that process was, was getting this lump checked again and just doing something about it. Even though I'd been told it, <laughs> most definitely wasn't cancer I was like it's just still not right I need to get it sorted and then I went so I was sent finally for a referral and yeah it came back as stage four it already spread um yeah which obviously you know to me made complete sense because I was like yeah well obviously mm. because I found it two and a half years ago and it's had two and a half years to do whatever it wanted to do mm. so that was really the curveball that that came I mean, literally like a wrecking ball into my life. And it was obviously, it's obviously devastating. It's obviously a, an, like just devastating, painful process to go through. But, and this is something that I think some people sometimes can't understand is that it actually came at the perfect time for me because it was that catalyst that I really needed to be like, okay, I really have to look after myself now. This isn't just a, okay, maybe I'll think about what I want to do with my life. And, you know, maybe I'll address the stress and the burnout and all of these different kind of health issues that I was having at the time. It wasn't a choice anymore. It was a necessity. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was, hard and welcomed at the same time if that mm. makes sense yeah um, and I often say like it was it was almost like divine intervention just kind of came in and was like she's not listening to us we need to send something that is going to make mm. her wake up and sort her life out mm. um so it really it almost gave me the permission to really stop everything that I was doing and just just start again so that's what Would I did yeah would you say that you you weren't really looking after yourself before was it your job like yeah I mean it's I I was and I think I look back I look back on that time and think I was at the time I thought I was at the time I you know I've never been someone who I've always been very health conscious you know I've practiced yoga for 15 years and I've meditated for a really long time and I've always kind of like I say been been in that world I've always had like a foot in that world I guess so I always thought I was doing enough um and then but obviously in hindsight you're like I really wasn't doing anything and actually everything that I was doing was just being counteracted by the lifestyle that I was leading mm -hmm. so you know yoga was a practice that I did to de-stress from my day at work um and even though I was eating healthy like when I went home I also I started to recognize actually during the days when I'm at work and I'm running around like picking sandwiches up and and you know not really not really you know intentionally eating not sleeping properly like all of these little things that I think we don't 
we don't necessarily notice that we're doing I started to realize and I was like you think that you've been really healthy and you've been you know really practicing mindfulness and and actually you really haven't been doing enough mm-hmm. um so yeah I wasn't I, and I think that's where that's where the transition for me felt a lot easier than maybe it does for other people because I was already halfway there so it was just a natural it was a natural step forward for me to be like okay I know what to do I have the tools I just need to expand on that and really really step into it definitely it is funny you mentioned about like doing the mindfulness stuff to kind of counteract Mm. our daily lives because that's exactly that's exactly what I used to do as well like I'd work in a bar and just stay up late all night drinking blah, blah blah but then the next day you think all right if I sleep through the day and then I eat something healthy like it makes me yes. soup or something and I'll be fine it just cancels yeah. it out and you literally find yourself saying that well I've done that so if I do that it kind of cancels it out yeah rather than just actually looking after yourself because you want to yeah but I guess that's for a lot of people that is like the lifestyle in London isn't it it's this mm-hmm. kind of fast-paced trying to make a career out of something so yeah 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 I think it's just it's a cycle that we 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 get into unwillingly just because everybody else is doing it right Mm. yeah I think and this goes for so many things in life not even just the way that we work but just we look to what are the majority of people doing? And I, this is something that I always say to people that I work with. It's like, it's not normal. It's not normal to feel tired all the time. It's not mm. normal to feel sick all the time. It's not normal to not know who you are. Like, these are things that we should we should all know and we should all be, um, be practicing. But we, yeah, we see everybody else doing the same thing. So we're like, oh, okay, well, everybody else is doing that. So it can't be that bad. And actually it's just because so many of us are just in this cycle that mm. we don't know how to break out of. Mm. And how does, obviously, um, your human design reader, is that a correct term, reader? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how does that help someone kind of find out who they really are? Well, human design really offers us uh it offers us a real I mean it's the best self-awareness tool that I've ever come across and this Mm. is what really kind of drew me to to working with human design human design really helps us understand who we are on a real soul level um so it gives us this this blueprint to to our soul who we came here to be how our energy works the best how we interact with other people, how we interact with the world around us and really what we're here to offer while we're here. So it gives us this um, this real understanding of, of our purpose mm. and I guess the intention of our soul. And yeah, it like what's interesting with human design is that it never really... Um, it never really tells us anything that we don't know, already know about ourselves. And I think this is where the connection piece comes in for me and where it's so important is that it helps us reconnect two parts of us that we already know exist, that we've maybe just become a little bit disconnected from over, over time. Um, and really helps us kind of shift the perspective about how we see ourselves. I think so many of us know parts of ourselves so deeply but we often see them as negative traits or because they don't fit into society. We, we just assume that they're not, they're not good parts of us and that there may be their things that need to be fixed, which I hear a lot. Um, And actually human design shows us that there is a purpose to all of it. There is a purpose to why you are this way and why you respond this way to certain things. And there's a way to work with that. And it's all, it's all for good intention, like nothing that, no part of you is part of you for for no reason you know like it's all intentional and it all works to serve you in the best way and human design helps us see that and understand it in a way that we can really utilize that and it helps us ultimately live a life of more ease and more balance which is what we all want right mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes life easier and it's really it's it, it is this simple thing of like if we work if we can kind of practice alignment with our unique design, then 
ultimately life should be easier. Mm. Which I remember is, oh, yeah. Sorry. No, go on. Um, I remember the first time, I can't remember how I found out about human design. I think someone like told me about it because obviously I love astrology and looking into the rising signs and all that. Um, but yeah, when I put my like date of birth and time and everything into a human design chart, and I looked at, like so obviously I understand hardly any of it, <laughs> but the the main bit was where it was telling me like what type of personality I had and also that I was um my strategy is to respond and that I operate from my sacral. I was like, that makes so much sense because everything I do, I it goes with I go with my gut, my gut instinct on everything. And that's like the strongest kind of thing that I use to make decisions. So just seeing that kind of makes you go, okay, yeah, so I'm not like crazy to just always listen to this like feeling that I have. It's not, um, it's not me being like weird or anything. Like it's actually a thing that I have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we don't, that's something that I hear a lot whenever I talk about that authority piece, which is the, mm. which is the gut response is that people are so people find it so tricky to tune into whatever their authority is because and I hear this a lot of like people saying yeah I hear my gut or um I don't know whatever whatever their authority is yes I feel that and I hear that but sometimes it just doesn't make sense and I'm like yeah but that's that's the trick right it's the moment that we start overthinking we've lost that connection you know within human design we say that you know, no decision-making should really happen above the neck. Mm. Like your, your, the two centers in the top, in, in the top part, the top part of you um, are there to help you really kind of make sense of things and rationalize things and kind of create and be inspired and, and really think things through logically. But once we've decided the route that we're going to take from from that bodily response that we all have mm. um, and I think our society just doesn't we don't encourage that you know we're always taught to think things through and make sure like things feel rational and you know we've thought about the pros and the cons and actually human design tells us to kind of throw that rule book out the window and actually just really tune into what your in, what your instinct is. Mm. I think society is not built for us at all really is it because especially the working life like I think uh, obviously we're both self-employed and we're able to listen to our bodies like if we need to rest rather than pushing through something or if something doesn't feel right we can say no to it but if you're in a nine-to-five which is is absolutely like my partner loves his nine-to-five he absolutely he loves the stability that it gives him he loves having that structure but yeah, there should definitely be more ability for people to be able to work according to their design, I guess. Yeah. So maybe their day in an office could be structured slightly differently because as long as you're getting the work done, yeah. why does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that's interesting what you say because that that is the thing that human design helps us understand that everybody is unique and there are people who genuinely get on really well with society and the way that it's structured Mm. and that makes sense right because society has been structured by someone Mm. and when we think about it like that whoever is putting these systems in place it's because that's how they feel is the right way to do it that's how they want to work but what really should be happening is that we are all then able to decide what parts of that fit with us and what parts of that work Mm. with who we are rather than us all just being expected to follow the same plan and the same route in life because it just doesn't it just doesn't work like that and I think that's a thing you know so many of us feel that disconnection from society and these structures that are laid out for us and we we really don't it's just not in our best interest to always Mm. follow those things And, you know, one of the big parts of human design is this kind of unlearning and deconditioning from the way that we've been told to live. And really, you know, you know, we all know that in our early stages of life, like before we reach about seven, we are our true authentic selves. And actually, when we then start to pick up um, that conditioning from society 
as we kind of are older children and through our teenage years, we start to kind of take on these structures and these principles within society and we sort of lose that connection to who we are. And this is why like inner child healing is so powerful because it takes mm. us back to that place when we were just ourselves. Like, you know, I always ask clients to like, think back to who you were when you were a child. Like, what do you remember about yourself as a child? And actually your human design probably reflects exactly what you remember as yourself being as a child. Mm. I'm trying to think what I was like. I remember being quite reserved and quite shy, but always very, very in tune with like other people's energy. So I, but as a child, you don't know what that is. So I'd be scared of people, like adults especially. You could just like feel their agitational anger at things. But yeah. What energy type are you? I'm not sure. Generator or a manifesting oh, generator. 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 Yeah. But I always, whenever you post things and you um, have manifesting generator, I always seem to be joint drawn to manifesting generator. Yeah. And that can happen. You know, I get that question a lot mm. of people that resonate with different different energy types and you know manifesting generators and generators particularly are very very similar so Mm. they are manifesting generators are a combination of generators and manifestors but at their core they are generators so Mm. we just have this because I'm a manifesting generator we just have this extra little piece that is the kind of manifestor energy but generally speaking when we talk about generators we're talking about both because they are both at their core, these sacral beings with this kind of the gut response that you're, that you were talking to. Um, yeah. So it, it makes sense that people, people sometimes kind of resonate with others and also, you know, human design and our human design chart is just so in depth and there's so much that we can learn from it. And there are, you know, we can be we can be generators who actually have a lot of projector energy in our chart, or we can be projectors that have a lot of manifesting energy. Like there's, there's so much more to us than just, just that overall energy type. And whilst that's a great place to start 100%. And I think, you know, if everybody knew their energy type, their strategy, their authority, all of those more top line parts of human design, then everybody would definitely benefit from that. But if you want to go deeper, there are kind of nuances to everybody's charts that just make them so unique and so individual. And it's just it's it's almost like, you know, how you can have you could have two Scorpios who are very, very different people. And that's the same thing. You know, you can have two generators who are completely different and have completely different ways of working. And so that really the, the energy type really just shows us shows us what our, what our general energy is. And there's only one of, we can only be one of five different energy types. Um, so that's kind of where we start, generally speaking. That was one of the biggest moments for me, I think, with human design, was finding out that my emotional center was undefined and what that meant. And actually, yeah, it's, it's interesting because what an emotionally, someone who has, an, has an, their emotional center undefined basically doesn't have like consistent reliable emotion um and actually they are they're absorbing emotions from the world around them constantly and they're very influenced by the world around them and that was something that I resonated with so deeply because when I was when I was a child and I think back to how I was I was always seen as a very very sensitive and very emotional child like and that was that was told to me a lot you know as I was growing up I was always I was always made to feel like I was, you know, too dramatic or too emotional. I I cried too much. Like I've always been very, very sensitive, but my kind of reflection of that always, as I was growing up was, I was like, I don't feel that emotional. Like I, I know that I'm having these kind of like emotional responses to things, but I don't know where they're coming from. Like I, I could never, I could never make sense of my emotions. You know, I would, I would get very upset at things and, and very kind of emotionally, I would be emotionally impacted by the situation that I was in, but I would never feel it when I was on my own. You know, I, I, I don't know, like I, I would get emotional like films or even like adverts on TV and like ridiculous things that other people didn't have emotional responses to. I was like, why am I getting so emotional about this? And when I started to look into my human design and it showed me that I had this undefined emotional center, And actually what you were doing is absorbing the emotions from people around you. I was like, 
oh my god it makes so much sense Mm. it makes so much sense and it really like I say helps you reframe that because actually what that means is that you're being really empathetic to the world around you you know you you have that ability to feel the emotions of the world around you which is a beautiful quality so rather than me feeling like I was too emotional I needed to hide that because that was always something that I'd done as I was growing up I'd always been ashamed of how emotional I was and how sensitive I was and tried to always be like less sensitive mm-hmm. um and now I'm just like do you know what it's it's who I am and there's a purpose to it there's a reason to it and the reason is is that it helps me be an empathetic person towards other people so that's just an example of like how it can really help us reframe the way we think about ourselves mm nodding like furiously yeah. all of that because it resonates so much yeah. I feel like I must have an undefined emotional center yeah. as well. So that's yeah just it's really interesting because I feel like if you went into like a big corporate office and you were able to go through everybody and what their human design is they would make their like workforce so much more productive and bit more relaxed it would just be it sounds like it what I can see is just an amazing tool to help you get the most out of what you're here to do yeah yeah. but could you perhaps talk us through what the you said there's five types types, yeah Yeah. could you talk us through what they are yeah so so like I say the energy type is our is the first place that we start within human design and that is it's really shows us what our energy what our energy is like essentially um we have there are different um like generators and manifesting generators are the majority of the population and generators are really here to are the life force of the planet so they're really here to build and create and kind of make things happen um so when we look at all five energy types what we kind of need to need to understand is that all all five of them are needed to make the world go round. So there are, um, everybody has a slightly different role in how we kind of contribute to the collective and contribute to, to the world. So generators are, yeah, these just really powerful, powerful energy that is, you know, consistently generating energy and has this power and life force to really make things happen, really get things done and really help move the collective forward so we you know that and we do that by following the things that bring us joy following the things that light us up and it's almost like when you follow your joy and you you um yeah you follow that thing that you're super passionate about it generates more energy in you and that's how you kind of you keep going um generators can on the flip side of that suffer a lot of burnout because there is this kind of um that hamster wheel that I was talking about before is very common for a generator because it is like you you just can keep going at things and sometimes generators don't take enough time to actually reflect on whether the things that they're investing their energy in are actually bringing them joy or not so for generators it's a really good idea to just even though you kind of want to be busy all of the time and want to fill your schedule because you have the energy to to, to get all these things done, to actually be taking intentional time to really stop and reflect on what you're putting your energy into. And that's really similar for manifesting generators as well. Mm. So like I say, you know, they are generators at their core. So that's all relevant for them as well. Um, but manifesting generators have this other quality of this manifestor energy. So they can really kind of, they are generators who are multi-passionate people so whereas generators can really find the thing that they love and really get stuck into it and really kind of like um you know really build and create from that place of being in that joy possibly with just one thing manifesting generators get very um they they get uh I, I always say it's like um like magpie kind of syndrome like they get very Mm. attracted by shiny things you know it's like um there's always something new to do Mm. so yes they have this like sustainable energy do you feel I can see I'm definitely I that sounds way more like me than generator I'm definitely I have a number of things going on at the same time I'll see something new and be like that's amazing I want to do that 
and fall in love like with things really easily yeah and then also sometimes get bored of them really easily as well yeah and that is that is true of a generator as well you know like you can mm. generators can still they still might do multiple things in their life and like you say it is that thing of like what's bringing you joy and when are you bored of it is something to really look out for for mm. a generator because when you're bored of it it means it's time to move on yeah so yes generators can still have that with manifesting generators is much more about like you know as I say like you know generators are really here to kind of build and create and move the world forward manifesting generators have an ability to do that in a very innovative way so they have the manifester energy is like this like innovative forward thinker like always thinking about new ways to do things and that's the energy that a manifesting generator brings to that kind of core generator energy so it's Mm. um they're multi-passionate in a way that they have an ability to do multiple things and bring them together to be one thing so rather than um rather than necessarily kind of being interested in this now and then being interested in something else in a year's time or whenever they actually can bring all of those things together to create new systems and build new ways of doing things so like I said at the beginning of this podcast it's like at the moment you know I'm as I'm kind of slightly restructuring the way that I work it's because I've literally got so many things that I do and I'm like how do I make sense of this how do I bring this into one thing Mm. and that's kind of the where manifesting generators uh yeah that's kind of the point that they get to and I think sometimes with manifesting generators that that there is sometimes this feeling of like non-committal you know they feel like they they feel like they're failing because they can't commit to one thing and actually they're not supposed to you know like they can do multiple things at the same time and that the joy them following their joy it's literally like one hour you might be researching one thing and then the next hour you've you're bored of it and you're onto something else and that's kind of how how a manifesting generator kind of works um who else do we have so projectors projectors are um make up the next kind of portion of the population i think it's about um i think it's about 28 percent now um of the population and projectors are the kind of the visionaries and the guides of the planet so they're really here to kind of master they're very good at mastering systems particularly like they find they've got a very focused energy that finds the thing they love and they become an expert at it and they really kind of yeah they can really become the master of of that thing and they use that by kind of helping guide the collective through that process so they're almost like the hand holders through our time here like they're the people who can really see where energy is needed and where um where people need to be kind of guided through they're really kind of like the overseeing eyes of us all to kind of help guide our energy in the right way um they don't have the same sustainable energy as a generator so they are people who really need to rest to recuperate their energy which is something that I think projectors really struggle with um because like you know like we say society is is we're caught on this hustle kind of culture and that's just not set up for projectors like they need to really um do this they kind of have these short bursts of energy where they do the thing do the thing that they love and then they they rest and they recuperate and they rebuild and then they come back to it um which is always always challenging for projectors especially when they find that thing that they love because they they're so invested in it that they're like Mm. oh I really want to keep going and it's like no you really have to rest like your energy just isn't sustainable enough to keep going um then we have manifestors who um yeah, manifestors are our fire starters. They're the people who are the innovators, really kind of forward thinking, but they're really here to kind of have the ideas and then pass them over to someone else. So again, very much like projectors, they don't have that sacral energy. So they they can't, they they will never be able to kind of sustain themselves on one thing for a long period of time because they're they're their processes all over the place you know they they're constantly thinking of new ways to do things and new things they want to do um and actually when they stick at one thing for too long they can find themselves really burning out in that and really kind of becoming disinterested in it so the way that they best work 
is is by having those ideas kind of creating the concepts and then passing them on to someone like a generator who can really kind of see that through um and then we have um reflectors and reflectors are like one percent of the population like there really isn't there really isn't that many of them they're very very rare um but they are really interesting energy because reflectors are basically completely undefined in their energy um so they have no consistent energy of their own and no consistent um no consistent energy flow and essentially they're here to be the mirrors of society so they're really here to kind of show us all what's happening so they can essentially reflect back to us what is happening in the situation and it makes them very very powerful um you know, they hold a lot of wisdom because of that, because they can, they can really absorb the surroundings that they're in and, and basically just help us understand what is happening. So like, I always find like reflectors are, um, yeah, they're really good people at just kind of assessing the situation that is happening and really assessing their surroundings and being able to say, I I need to show you what's happening here so that you can, um, so that you can do something with this. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Have you ever met a reflector? No, no, I've never done a reading for a reflector, and I'm like, I want a reflector so bad. Like every time, every time <laughs> I ever do like an interview or anything like this, I'm just like, if there's any any reflectors listening, You'll call out. because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm so interested in, mm. in their energy. So they're and one of the things that's really interesting about them is you know, like we, you were saying before about that instant sacral response for a generator when we look at a reflector um, authority, reflectors are really here to wait out the whole moon cycle. So they are, they have this lunar authority and basically they, they're here to really experience um, their decision-making process is to experience the whole cycle of the moon before they come to a decision. So whereas mm. for us as sacral beings, it's like, we know in an instant, whether it's a yes or a no for them, it's like, you need to take the time and actually wait out the entire moon cycle to witness your emotions as you go through that 28 days and then come to a decision. So their lifestyle is supposed to be much more slow and much kind of, um, yeah, much more insular in the way that they Mm. process things. Um, I wonder if if there's lots of like, if there's a lot, not lots, because there isn't lots of them, but they're probably living like up in the mountains somewhere like, not doing a lot yeah because also Mm -hmm. like with all of that undefined energy like they're they need to take that time away from society a Mm. lot because anywhere where we are undefined in any of our charts anywhere we're undefined is where we're open to that influence and conditioning from the outside world and for them their entire chart is undefined so every single area of them can literally become overwhelmed by the world around them um, so the, yeah, they usually are the people who are like quite insular in that way, but we need them because we need them to be able to show us our own shit. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like they're, they're our biggest reflectors to help us understand ourselves and see, mm. see the way that we're working. So interesting. Mm. And it's literally just like the same as with finding out your like birth chart. It's your time of birth, mm-hmm. date of birth. And location isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so how could we use apart from as I mentioned like perhaps within the workforce which I think would be a really interesting way of using human design how could we use it as a practical tool in our lives yeah so um yeah working using it in teams of people is something that I'm so interested in doing because like, mm. you're right like so so powerful and like that's one of the reasons why I that's how I discovered human design in the first place was because I was in a very challenging work situation and I couldn't, I just couldn't understand it. And I was going through all of these different personality tests and I did, you know, Enneagram tests and Myers-Briggs and like all of these different things. And it was at the time where I was, I was, yeah, I was having a challenging relationship with my manager at the time. And I was just like, I don't understand like why we can't work together. And human design came onto my radar then. And that was back in two thousand and. 13 I think was the first time that I heard about it um but like you said at the beginning like it's so confusing to look at that you almost like you need to have the time to actually like understand it I was like I don't I can't okay I kind of get it but I don't have the time to kind of delve into this 
but it did even just those those key things that I took from it at that time were really useful in helping me understand my relationship with someone else and that's a really powerful way that we can use it is understanding how you can interact with someone else on a, in a in a better way um on a personal level there is so many ways that we can use it you know it helps us understand our work patterns better um it helps us understand like i say our decision making process um how we how we respond to the world like how how we um you know, like in a work capacity, for example, like what is the best way for us to share the way that we work? Like what are the best ways for us to get opportunities? What are the best way for us to attract the things that we want? You know, it really helps us from a manifestation point of view of like, what is your manifestation style? Like how should you be calling in the things that you want? Um, It helps us really tap into the parts of us that, you know, maybe our limiting beliefs are coming from or our fears are coming from and it helps us understand parts of ourselves where maybe, you know, maybe we're not 100% confident. Um, so it can it can highlight those parts of us that really need a little bit more attention. Mm. And then when we go deeper into it, you know, we it, it ties in astrology and we can look at kind of what that looks like, um, what our best eating style is our best environment that we can thrive in like there is so so many different ways and and kind of avenues that you can go with it to really help yourself Mm. and have you used that and like the other healing modalities that you practice um as part of like healing from cancer yeah I mean cancer I I realized very quickly when I was diagnosed that the physical manifestation of disease that I had was, was very much rooted in a place of me being disconnected from myself and, and actually me not living my true authentic life. So in that sense, human design has helped me massively to really reconnect back to who I am and start living authentically as myself, because, you know, when we don't, when we're not living as our authentic selves, our energy isn't going to be flowing in the way that it is supposed to. Right. Mm. um and our energy flow is what keeps us healthy like you know our energy flow being the the most um optimal it can be is what ultimately keeps us physically healthy as well you know we're it's it's all connected and so focusing focusing on that I'm really focusing on the way that I was supposed to be um yeah, just the way that I was supposed to be just moving through life and how my energy was supposed to flow and the places highlighting the places within me that I could really focus on to, to shift energy and to, to kind of, to move energy that might've been a little bit stuck in certain places has really helped me just really come back to alignment with myself. And I think in that way, it's really helped me physically as well. Mm. And so you also set up living further. Was that set up off the back of your diagnosis? Yeah. So living mm. further was set up um, originally as a blog when I um, when I was diagnosed, and I think you know the the way that I had approached my diagnosis in those first early days was very different to the people that I was seeing around me, um, and. And actually I seemed to be kind of doing okay (laughs) when Mm. other people maybe weren't doing as well. And I was like, maybe there's something in this because the way that I've, the way that I've taken this diagnosis and the way that I've used it and, and, um, and changed my life seems to be working. And, and I, you know, I felt really good and I felt the best that I, that I ever had done, um, despite having a stage four cancer diagnosis. So I started it as a blog and then very, very quickly realized that that just wasn't aligned with what I wanted to do. Um, and then the more that I kind of started working in this field and I realized that this was actually something that I wanted to share with other people. And actually it was through my human design that I realized that actually what I should have been doing was working with people and helping people. And that's another thing that, you know, human design highlights what our gifts and our purposes. So mm. when when I really kind of delved into that and I was like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to be doing with all this information. And actually the reason I'm, the reason I'm taking on all of this information and learning all of this stuff is because it's for other people. It's to help other people with this. 
So that's kind of where living further then turned into. Um, yeah. So how could people work with you then? Oh. What are some of the ways? So I do, um, they can have a human design reading. So I do kind of straightforward one-off human design readings, um, which are super popular. Um, and I do kind of more, so I'm a trained Ayurvedic therapist as well. And that's a big part of what I do. Um, and breathwork facilitator, energy healer. So I do more kind of holistic consultations as well that incorporate all of those different um, modalities into one. Um, and then I do longer term coaching as well, which again, incorporates all of those things. Um, and I work with people on kind of a three month basis to really help people connect back to who they are and really um, find that foundation and really find that ground in um, to help reset their energy flow to just really kind of help them feel at home in themselves again. Um, so that's another way that people can work with me. Um, and then I have next year, I have a group course that will be coming out as well. And then people can connect with me. I've got my own podcast as well. So people can connect with me through there as well. Mm. What do you talk about on your podcast? So my podcast is called um, the whole self podcast, and it's all about um, just sharing different ways that we can really come back to that kind of whole self healing um so i there's solo episodes but i also talk to different guests as well about different kind of modalities and healing practices that they've incorporated or that they teach um, that can really help us with that whole self healing um, because i think ultimately that is that is the goal of what i do is to help people really come back to that whole self place mm. and i think what human design has helped me understand is that everybody is so unique and different things will work for different people. Um, so the podcast is really a place to explore all of that, to explore all the different modalities that, that I've used, but that other people have used as well um, to help people find their own healing plan. Mm, that sounds amazing. And have you got anything planned? You were saying about the course that you're doing next year? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a course that I'm planning for January 2022 and it is um it's in early stages at the moment this is what I've taken December off to just mm. really feel into that and feel feel into what I want that to be um it is essentially a course that is going to help people really find that foundation of who they are so it will it will incorporate human design it will incorporate parts of Ayurveda but a lot of kind of healing and breath work as well as part of that um, yeah, and there's also, um, something else that I'm planning for hopefully for January, if it launches in time, this is something that I've got to try and get sorted this, this month. Um, there's also a membership that will be launched next year, which basically is a, a kind of a space where people can connect with all of these different modalities and, and kind of, and learn and just expand their mind a little bit. Mm, sounds amazing. Mm. And obviously people can get that on your Instagram. Yeah. Sign up to your websites. Yeah. Yeah. So my yeah. Instagram is um at I am Leah Hughes. Um and then my website is livingfurther.co.uk. So it's all on there. Everything, everything is on there, all the links. Amazing. Oh, actually, what I did want to ask you is like, how, how is everything? Are you, are you still like healing and doing? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I am, I'm good. Um, I always find this, I always <laughs> find it tricky to answer because I'm always like, yeah, I'm great. And everyone's like, oh, okay. So you're completely healed. And I'm like, mm. no, no, there's still a lot of work to do, but I feel great. Um, yeah. I mean, stage four cancer is, is an ongoing lifelong thing mm. you know it is it is technically incurable um so it is from from a doctor's perspective is something that I will always live with um but I'm in a better position now than I ever have been on this journey like physically speaking so um you know my last scans were good and my scans have been good for the last two years so um yeah I've been lucky that ever since the beginning ever since I was diagnosed, I've never had any progression. 
it's only ever been stability or regression, which in the world mm-hmm. of stage four cancer is, is just, is an amazing thing and is a thing to be really grateful for. So, um, so yeah, at the moment I'm, I'm good. I, mm. I feel good and yeah, physically in a better position than I ever have been. So, and do you feel that the, the regression and stability is because of the practices that you do? 100%, mm. 100%. You know, I think for me, cancer treatment I'm I very quickly made cancer treatment the smallest part of my my life so I in my head I'm like the cancer treatment does what it does and I don't worry about it you know I I do do conventional treatment as well but I have done so much like there is there's not many things that I haven't done um in the last three and a half years, like I have tried so many different weird and wonderful therapies and, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting journey over the last three and a half years. And I know that every single one of those things I've done, um, has definitely helped. And, you know, my, my, my outlook, I guess, towards my diagnosis and towards my healing is that I let the cancer treatment do what it needs to do but then I focus on making myself as healthy and as well and aligned and um, balanced as possible. And I think that's where I, that's where I put my focus. And I think that has definitely helped make everything, you know, the the stronger that I can make my body, the better the cancer treatment is going to work. So yeah, I definitely, definitely do not think I would be where I am now if I hadn't done all of the things that I do. Hmm. Wow. Well, it was amazing chatting to you. Thank you very much for sharing your story with me. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. That really was a super insightful chat. And I am definitely adding Get a Human Design Reading to my list of things to do. As ever, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe and I'll be back soon. Mm-hmm.